It's finally here. Bigger, faster, stronger. It's time to put on the pads. Faster, quicker, more agile. And make some noise. Just leveled. Wow. Your defending AFC South champion, Houston Texans, are back for training camp. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. Welcome to Texans Training Camp Live. Your sideline pass to everything that's going on with your Houston Texans. Texans Training Camp Live is presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors and by Geico and Papa John's Houston. Now let's go down to the Houston Methodist Training Center. Here are your hosts, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Day two of the relocation of the Houston Methodist Training Center to Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> as the Texans begin day two of practices with the Packers here. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the atrium at Lambeau Field, a terrific facility. My goodness, we are Ooh. underneath a gigantic Lombardi trophy that's about three or four stories high. I mean, is that a Lombardi trophy, or are you happy to see me? This thing just towers over this area. They've got the Packer Hall of Fame nearby, the Packers Pro Shop. Obviously, it's title town. It's big. It's historic. It's wonderful. We shared a lot of that with you yesterday. Practice will get underway in a couple of hours with the Texans and the Packers, and we'll go over everything there is to go over regarding that. Game Thursday night, 7 o'clock. It's live right here. It's live on ABC 13. You can stream it on the app, and we are excited to get it going. We have one more of these shows tomorrow, which will be a recap of sorts, and we'll get you ready for the game. It'll be a pregame show as well because we're excited to see the Texans in action and Johnny I was excited to see practice yesterday man that was fast and furious uh, my head was on a swivel you know yeah. you had ones against the twos on each end yeah. of the fields that we were overlooking so it, 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 and sometimes it, sometimes it was perfectly in phase where yes. you could watch a play here and a play there and a play here like tennis but other times they were snapping the ball at about the same time and I didn't like that I know I told my dad as I was watching I was like this is perfect like Run a play, run a play, and then there was a little bit of delay, and then they got on the same. I was like, oh, yeah. no. But I, was, I literally was writing as fast as I possibly could. I, had, I was trying to be organized. You know, when I'm watching practice at home, I, I try to be organized with my notes. I got columns and where I put things. And, okay, this is one-on-ones at the same time, seven-on-seven, so I can kind of go to – I was just writing stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times the shorthanded, I just put a number. So, you right. know, Brent Scarlett makes a play. Hey, 57, good rush. Used hands, all that. And you'll remember later and I'll remember, what it was. but then I'm putting, like, double num- like numbers from Green Bay, too. So I'd have to put GB in front of their <laughs> it, I was like, I, I, I was trying to track so many different things. And so I missed, obviously, all the hubbub that ha- uh, happened on the far field uh, with the fight and the, uh, uh, the togetherness. And, yeah. The togetherness. With, yeah, it was, just, it was just getting to know one another. Pads today all. or no? Yeah. Yeah, Pat's again? today. Pat's really? today, off tomorrow. Yeah, listen, well, you gotta get this, a walkthrough. You've got to get you've got to get this work in when you can. You only get two days. It's so a lot of reps. I was thinking it's about a this. lot of reps. It's a lot of reps. Yesterday, yes. today, Thursday. They're gonna practice Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I think they'll lighten it up a little bit, but then Detroit, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday next right. week, full joint practice with yeah. them both days in the heat and then you've got the game next saturday you got a lot of reps coming up in this next week and a half well obviously you've there are still some guys that have got to work up to kind of build up what's it ramp up to game week yeah you know week one game week so you've you know matt khalil still the more reps you can get to kind of ramp him up uh just as as a, and then there are some you've got to get evaluation on but at what point, as the coaches and trainers and everybody, do you think, 
well, maybe we're breaking them down. Are we building them up? Are we breaking them well, down? I mean, I, yeah. how, does, how do you go about that? I mean, I, I think to me with the what, what I think happens from, from here on out is I think you've got yesterday and today with the Packers. You've got Wednesday and Thursday with the Lions. Those are the days you're going to be in pads, I think. Yeah. I think the other days you're going to back off a little bit. Right. And Like over the weekend. Right. I think over the weekend you're going to back off. Yeah. You're going to do some things that you know don't include – pads at all you're i mean you're just going to be in in jersey shorts and jerseys and right and work for a couple hours get the legs loose move the pace of practice but not have to hit on one another make sure you know all your play scripts and everything run clean make sure everybody's sound with their assignments maybe you install another couple of things that you've been wanting to put in so you put those in you work on a few more situations but every time that you don't see a different colored jersey from now on you're you're out of pads that's that's my guess because right. you really want to get good pad work against the, against the Packers yeah. and against the Lions. I think we talk about, you know, the, the areas that we want to see growth. We want to see growth in the offensive line. Well, you're seeing Rashawn Gary, you're seeing Zedarius Smith, you're seeing Preston Smith. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing a lot of guys yeah. that up front are going to be very difficult to block. Well, then the Lions come to town, and they're bringing now Mike Daniels, uh, Sean Robinson, Deshaun Hand, I don't know if Trey Flowers would be completely healthy by then, but I would imagine they need him. He's still on pup at this point. So if he's healthy, then you get to see him too. That's going to be great work for your offensive line. So I would think you'd want to get as many reps as possible. I mean, if you think about what just – they get a lot of reps in team, but just one-on-one reps. Well, I mean, and, and, J.J. got two reps. Whitney got two reps. I mean, that's all you get in one-on-ones because you have so many guys to cycle through. So the more you can do that against a different colored jersey, I think the better. All right, let's get to hot reads here from Green Bay as the Texans and Packers, Packers practice again today. And let's go Bill O'Brien, who after practice talked about how it went with the Packers. Yeah, it's great. I mean, anytime you can go up against another really good team and see different looks and, you know, see how different people do things, uh, it's great. Great competition, a lot of plays, a lot of situations. Uh, guys competed hard. It was a good day. All right, so there's a general thought on what happened. And speaking of the general, he will join us at 8.30 today, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, so stay tuned for that. Now, here's Bill O'Brien talking about some of the younger folk on the Texans roster and how this benefits them. You know, I think that's a big part of it. You know, uh, young guys traveling for the first time. I mean, some of those guys getting on a plane, uh, getting on a bus, getting in a hotel, getting into a routine on the road I think is important. Uh, You can do that here for a couple days now actually three or four days until the game so i think it's really important and then they can watch the veterans how they do things but uh it was good it's a great facility nice day so it was really good remember that o'brien loves being on the road he loves having everybody sequestered you eliminate the distractions especially here in green bay i mean this is one place where you might be able to say yeah the players are fine don't worry about anything and i mean that in a good way this is a terrific place to live It's it's a wonderful city, and I hesitate to even call it that. It's a town. It's tidal town. It's yeah. so nice here it's in the Midwest in summertime. It's just gorgeous. So uh, it's a great place to visit, get some good, solid practice in with this team. Now, Johnny, who's ahead? Who's ahead right now, in your opinion, between these two squads? Now, Green oh, Bay did I, not have a good year last year, but they do have yeah. Aaron Rodgers, which elevates everybody. The, his mm-hmm. presence elevates the entire roster yeah without him i have no clue what it would look like but they do have him yeah and 
yesterday, I, my look, I'm not you looking at this stuff, but I, I know what I see with a great quarterback. He's a great quarterback. He's phenomenal. I mean, there were a couple of times where – uh, once in particular, he rolled to the right and threw a frozen theater rope to Jimmy Graham along the sideline when the play looked about all all but over. And I just had to tip my cap, uh, figuratively speaking, to him. He's he's great. But what about these two rosters? What are you seeing? Uh, first of all, as it pertains to Rodgers, I don't know that I've ever seen a better thrower of the football. I mean, just the throw. That, I mean, I saw that throw. And everybody had sort of stopped on the play because he had scrambled, and it looked like he was going to go out of bounds. And he's literally like, going out of bounds, and he just went and he's, and literally flicked it like you're throwing darts at the bar and right on the money to Jimmy Graham. And, you know, Graham doesn't have to toe-tap. I mean, he catches it. He could have turned up, up the field. The ball caught itself. It, was, it, it lodged it was itself amazing. into I, his spleen. I will say this, and I, 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 I watched yesterday's practice, and I, and I tried to be – well, first of all, it's a little weird to see, you know, having grown up here before moving to Houston and seeing that G, which I grew up with as a little kid, like worshiping it. And then, like, I'm wearing yeah. a different logo. My uncle did not like that when he saw me with the Texans logo on. Oh, really? Uh, he was very he was very upset. Uh, but he got so past funny. it. He got past it. Uh, anyways, I say this, and, you know, today could be totally different, but I felt like yesterday it was very clear what was definitely the more talented team, and that was us. It was to me. It was very clear. Now, I will say they did not have uh, Jamal Williams. They did not have Aaron Jones running back. They didn't have Kevin King at corner. Uh, they were also missing Josh Jackson at corner. Uh, their nickel corner. But so they were missing. Names. Th- they were missing some key players for them. Mm-hmm. But as far as talent level goes, just looking out there and going, "Whoa!" Like they tried to run the football on us, and it was not happening. Like not. Not at That's all. That's encouraging. They, they couldn't budge the first group. I saw BMAC afterwards, and I was like, bro, they couldn't move it on. He goes, ah, we, was, we, we was all right. And I was like, you weren't all right. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me, kind of nodded. I was like, you, they couldn't move Reader. They couldn't move Blackson against the run. And the coverage units, I thought, were very good yesterday. The, the secondary, the coverage was very good yesterday. I and noticed that right away. I thought in seven-on-seven seven, yeah. the coverage looked good. And usually seven-on-on-seven, seven, especially he, with a guy like Rodgers, it's dealing. like 100% completion rate. I heard you know? nothing from that side of the field when I, when I would look down the other way. And, and, look, I don't know that the Texans' offense was a was 1,000% crisp and clean, but the tight ends got the ball a lot yesterday. I was going off the field, and I happened to see Cal McNair, and Cal looked at me and said, boy, tight ends had a good day, didn't they? And I was like, yeah, they did. All of them. Every single one of them made catches, including the one at the very end. Kali Waring made a brilliant touchdown catch. Got his feet in there. They had refs there yesterday, and he was standing right there, saw it, and he pointed the ground, two feet, touchdown. And no replay, so and that's no good. no replay, so it was good. And I think he still would have had it on the replay because I was standing right in line with it, and I was like, I think he's got this. The tight ends were phenomenal. So I felt like walking out of there like, okay, this is a very talented Texans squad. Yes, like all teams, there's going to be – um, an Achilles heel, if you will. Yes, is the offensive line exactly where we want it? No. Is the, uh, is the secondary, you know, rock solid? No. But they had a good day yesterday against some very talented wide receivers and a really talented future Hall of Fame quarterback. So that's where you got to start looking going, hey, that's progress. That's a lot of progress. That's better coverage than I saw at the end of the year when they were facing Nick Foles in Philly and uh, Baker Mayfield in the second half and Andrew Luck. So – that was really good coverage yesterday, and that made me feel pretty good about this team. But I felt like the, the Texans came up here and 
made a significant point that, yeah, we've got that talent, and if it comes together and we can stay healthy, that was key because there weren't a lot of guys that we had out of that practice. Nick Martin was out. J.J. went out later, said he had a little bit of a, a groin thing that he said tightened, up, tightened up a little bit, but they took him out. He may not practice today and may not play Thursday, but uh, that, that was really about it that we had missing. So we were, we were kind of full chamber ready to go, and I think that really showed yesterday. Well, we'll see how today goes. I thought social media was a big winner yesterday as well with the bike ride. The yeah, that was drive awesome. Over to the that practice awesome. facility. It was awesome. Watt breaking the seat. How about the ESPN headline on the crawl? Oh. We were having dinner, and the headline on the crawl, bottom of the screen, we all see those, and it said, Watt breaks child's oh. bike. It sounded so nefarious. It, it sounded like, I hate you, kid. I know. I'm going to break your bike. I mean, you have to write a headline carefully, okay? And he sat on the bike. The seat broke. Yeah. He's he 290 sitting bike. on a bike that probably holds a 100-pound person and tops. He's, he's replacing the bike. We put a GoPro on DJ Reader oh, for great. the ride. So that video's up on uh, all our social media stuff and HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. So go check that out. Did you hear at the end of that? I don't know. if <laughs> What I, did he say? He gets to the end of it, and he gets off the bike, and he says to her, and only Reader would have found this out. He, he says to her, Good luck with your softball season. So in that time that they got on the bike, oh, they, they were walking. About it. They must have been talking about yeah, that. And we don't have. And that she whole said he was a softball. Yeah. And so at the very end, you hear him say, "Hey, good luck with softball." Like he's he would have he's the guy that would pick that up. But Brandon Dunn pushed the young man in the wheelchair. Yeah, he had a helmet on. Oh, Mark! Oh, what my a God. view! What, I was what, like, oh, so many great images from yesterday. I'll, I'll give you another one. During the skirmish or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you pointed this out to me. You see. <laughs> You this see is hilarious. J. Joe and, and Roby <laughs> on a knee on the sideline. They were already there on a knee on the sideline observing. They were out of that rep, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, the bench is clear. You know, this this massive melee. And they're just still on the knee like, yeah, I'm not getting involved yeah, in not, not, not going in there. Just sat like, there. Like, I mean, it was hilarious. Like, like, what good can come of that? You see all this all these blue shirts running from one side, the white shirts from the other side, and there's Roby and J. Joe on the knee just like, nah. I'm a, I'm a vet. I'm not doing this. It was hilarious. All right, we're at the atrium at Lambeau Field. Next up, a national scribe who never likes anything saluted. Saluted. He acknowledged the progress in one key area of the Texans that we've been talking about all offseason long. He, he, I hesitate to say paid tribute to it, but he said something positive about it, and it was his first take. Who was it? What did he say? We'll have that for you next. And coming up at 8.30, the general, John McClain, right here from Green Bay. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. Now, Texans Training Camp Live continues. We're at Lambeau Field inside the stadium at the atrium area underneath the gigantic Lombardi Trophy, which was made the Super Bowl winner prize after 1970. Let's see. The league's championship trophy was awarded to the Baltimore Colts, winners of Super Bowl V. It was after Lombardi's death that Pete Rozelle, I'm reading Mm -hmm. from the, I'm paraphrasing from the inscription here. Yeah, Lombardi died in September of 1970. So that Redskins stint, I just felt like that was 
a little later, but it wasn't. So did his George last... Allen replace Lombardi? Yes. Okay. So his so Lombardi's last year here was sixty seven. He stayed in sixty eight, but he was he it was Phil Bankston who took over as the coach. Yeah. And Lombardi was kind of up in the you know, he was up in his offices. He was staying away, he was still the GM. And he was like, uh, I got to go back and coach. Went back and coached the 69 season in Washington, then got sick in 70, and then he passed away oh, in that September was it. of 70. That was it. Then yeah. it became the Lombardi Trophy for the Super Bowl winner. And obviously Lombardi, he's everywhere in this town. I mean, yeah. streets named after him, restaurants. And, you know, it's like George Washington slept here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you live oh, yeah. in the Northeast, you see a lot of that kind of stuff. Lombardi ate here yeah. is the thing in Green Bay. Well, I think what's interesting about Lombardi was he was a New Jersey, New York guy. I mean, and he comes here. I mean, he had been with yeah. the Giants. You know, you're in that Mecca. Fordham. And then you, yeah, Fordham. And then you come here. Yeah, in your which life. is very un-New York. This right. is not exactly New York. Now, obviously, anytime you come to Green Bay, you're coming to a, you know, an original franchise. It started mm-hmm. in 1919. In fact, right up above us is the 1919 Kitchen and Tap, which is gorgeous, by the way. We were going to go there for lunch, but apparently it was packed. Like, trying to get in was just a no-go. I think we have a group of Texans going in there today. It's gorgeous mm-hmm. up there. And... So I can imagine that there was a there was a ton of respect. And the Packers had the Packers were the model franchise, winning you know a ton of championships on from the the 30s and 40s, but then when they got to the 50s, it just went off the edge. I mean, they just they were a mess. And little Barty came in, and time he got here in 1959, I think they went like seven and five, mm-hmm. but didn't make the playoffs. And actually, they made the playoffs in 60, but they lost to the Eagles. And then from 61 on, they just they won championships. They just won championships. They won two in 61, 62, 63, 64. Paul Horning was out for gambling. Came back in 65, won 65, 66, 67, won the first two Super Bowls. And he was like, by the time 67 was over, it was like, all right. I'm, but, but after he leaves, it goes downhill again. It goes downhill again. And, and then you have that whole Lynn Dickey era. I mean, going through the 70s and 80s was so hard. You got the magic man, and then Favre comes in and, and changes Favre comes everything. Favre comes in and changes everything. I mean, Favre and Holmgren coming in. With Reggie White. When Re- I'll, I'll never forget when, you know, Favre is here in 92. And Reggie, sorry, Jonesy, this is probably a rough moment for you. But Reggie White is one of the first big-time unrestricted free agents in the NFL. And Mike Holmgren calls him. <laughs> this is the, the story for how Reggie White gets to Green Bay. He calls him and he gets his voicemail. And Holmgren says, Reggie, this is God. He wants you – I want you to go to Green Bay. And he hangs up, and Reggie calls him back, and he's like, that was a good one, Mike. And he ended up coming here. That's I mean, beautiful. nobody was coming no, – nobody signed unrestricted free agent deal. Well, first of all, nobody was signing un- unrestricted free agent deals yeah. at that point. But he chose to come here. And I remember a st- Sports Illustrated cover. They had, like, eight different jerseys. And, like, which one for Reggie? And I don't remember if Green Bay was on there or not, but Green Bay – Reggie White coming here – just really established, like, okay, the Packers are legit. They've, they've got an opportunity, but they were running to Dallas every year and then finally got over that hump and then won it in 96. And that just set all of this in motion. At where we are today, the tailgate village over there, title town on the other side of the street, all of this was set in motion by that championship in 96. All I got, I got to salute the Packers because from their Twitter account, they've posted at least two videos of J.J. Watt. Yeah. Welcome back, right. J.J. Watt. He's such a state hero. He is. And yeah. you know, the stuff he does in Texas as far as being charitable, the Hurricane Harvey fundraising, yeah. all of everything he does. 
and the foundation is active up here, by the way. Right. That does not go unnoticed by everybody right. in the state of Wisconsin and certainly the Green Bay Packers franchise, so that's nice. I mean, I was almost going to reply, tampering? No, <laughs> but, uh, but it was nice that they saluted him that way. All right, let's get to what we promised here. This is a national scribe. It's Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, and we aired a piece of this last night, but let's hear from Prisco. I had a brief conversation with him after practice. I was a little surprised about one of the position groups he pointed out doing well for the Houston Texans. Let's listen in. I got Pete Prisco. I'm good. All right, so here we go. All right, so Pete, joint practice with the Packers for the Texans. What did you see here today? What stood out to you? I thought the defensive backs had a good day. I thought they covered well, the Texas defensive backs. I thought they did a nice job. Waring had a great catch on the side. I think he's going to be a big-time player for them. It's going to take a little time, but he can catch the football. Um, the new-look offensive line did some interesting things. They're big. They're a big line. That's a big group across the front. So, uh, And that's to me, that's the most important thing. Can they protect the quarterback? I haven't seen your preseason picks yet, but what about this AFC South? What do you think? I, you know, I haven't picked it yet, but uh, I think any of the teams can win it. I think three of the teams stand out to me. I think the Titans are the fourth team. I think Jacksonville and Nick Foles will be the be really good again. I think, um, of course, Andrew Luck, depending on the health, I think they're going to be good. And if this team can protect Deshaun Watson, they're going to put up a ton of points. So, uh, again, I think it's a wide-open division. What about Jacksonville? I know you've been down there. So what have you seen so far? You seem optimistic. Well, their defense is going to be really good again. I, I think there was some bad stuff that infiltrated that locker room last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got it got ugly. And, and some of those guys are gone now. Right. And, and there's a more cohesive unit. They're going to be dominant on defense again. They let some things slide, little things last year. And they, they were still a good defense. I mean, people forget they, they shut out the Colts late in the season when they were on a run. So when they had to do it, they could do it. I think they'll be very good there. Health killed them on the offensive line. They need to get healthy there again this year. Uh, but the, the quarterback, I mean, the quarterback they had before isn't capable of making the plays this guy can make. Is the reign of terror for New England going to end anytime soon? No. As long as Belichick and Brady are there, they're still the team to beat. And I don't think there's any question about it. Look, the Chiefs are good. I think the Chargers are really good, Mark. I think they're they're going to be one of the better teams in the league. But until you take down Brady and Belichick, they're still the team to beat. Now, what about the AFC North? Because there's a lot of difference of opinion there. See, everybody's on Cleveland. But until you learn how to win close games, big games, and December games, come talk to me. Because I think that's the big step. You've got to learn how to win. And how are the personalities going to mesh? You know, how's that offensive system going to look with Kitchens as a head coach and, and Monken, the offensive coordinator, and Kitchen calling plays, and who's he get along with? And, you know, Beckham, when he complains, is he going to gripe? And, I mean, there's, there's so many unanswered questions. The offensive line, the tackles aren't great either. So many unanswered questions for me that I'm not ready to Look, I look across and I see the Steelers. Right? Yeah. They got Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. They can still score, and they'll still be good on defense, and they'll be physical. until you. So for me, I'm picking the Steelers. So here we are on the shadow of Lambeau Field. You've been all over the league. Is this the best atmosphere? What's your favorite? What stands out to you around the league? This is a great atmosphere. I mean, this small-town environment is fantastic. You know, it's like they have a stadium and, and a facility in the middle of a neighborhood. I mean, you look across the street, there's, there's houses right over there. People yeah. live across the street. That doesn't happen in a lot of, a lot of places. This is a great atmosphere. This is one of the best. What else? What else do you like around the league? Like Kansas City, or is Kansas it City, Minnesota? Game day on Kansas City is fantastic. I was just in uh, Minnesota. Their new facility is as good as anything I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. Uh, and they had a night scrimmage on Saturday, and it was like an old school. They had fireworks afterwards. It was like this old school small town feel to it. Still, even though they're the Minnesota Vikings. One more for you. Will the NFL ever go to 18 games? What do you think happens there? Yes, they will. Wow. I'm a, I'm a big believer that they should. Get rid of two, expand the rosters, 
get you know 10, 12, 13 more guys, make the game day rosters more active, give guys more time off in the offseason, pay everybody more money, uh, they'll agree to it. I guarantee you they will go to 18 games at some point. Pete, thanks a lot. You got it. All right, that's Pete Prisco joining us uh, yesterday, and I don't agree with him with the 18 games. I do find it interesting what he said about the secondary. That's the yeah. first thing he pointed mm-hmm. out. I said, what stood out to you? He said, the Texans' defensive backs look good. Well, what did I tell you yesterday after practice? You're like, what did you think? And I, that was the first thing I said, and you're like, Prisco said the same thing. And I, mean, and I felt that way, too, watching it, but I didn't trust my own eyes. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> i got to get I gotta get some validation here on yeah. what I think I just saw. Now, that was one day, and it was a practice, sure. so let's see what happens. And I don't even know if Thursday night's game is going to be any kind of big indicator. We'll see. I don't know how much Rodgers is going to play or not play. Right. We'll see about all that. But Pete had, Pete had some interesting things to say, and I agree with him about the AFC North. We've been talking about that all offseason long. All right, the general, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is coming up. What stood out to him? What was his position group of choice that really stood out yesterday and what he's looking for today with the Houston Texans? We'll get to it next. It's Texans training camp live from Green Bay. Can't get enough Texans radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. It's like Netflix, but free. Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans radio shows. Yeah, do that. We're in Green Bay in the atrium at Lambeau Field. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And go to the Texans app, download it, enjoy yourself, because it is loaded with all sorts of information, videos, articles, all the great stuff about what is happening here in Green Bay. Watch that bike ride from the stadium to practice yesterday. Watch some highlights from practice. It's cool stuff. Also very cool to have John McClain join us every morning during these shows at 8.30 from the Houston Chronicle. General, good morning. All right, position group that stood out to you the most. What was your biggest takeaway? I didn't have one position group that stood out more than others. I was watching individual players and uh, – the young guys and the old guys coming off injuries. I thought Titus Howard, Kyle Fackrell, a 6'5", 245-pound outside linebacker, rushed against him twice in individual drills. And that's what I like to watch, mm-hmm. pass protection, and like to watch Watt turn it up because all those guys want a shot at him to judge themselves. Yeah. But anyway – Titus Howard, two times. The first one was Kyle Fackrell. I couldn't see the second one. And it, it, Fackrell tried to put, I guess it was a swim move on him or maybe an over-under. And he got leverage, got his hands underneath his pads, and just tossed him, you know, ragdolled him, just tossed him to the ground like he was flicking off a fly. And that was impressive because two reasons. Number one, it was a good play, but number two, he showed a, a little a toughness. You know, we think of guys that are good athletes not being as tough as like a guy like Sharping who's not a great athlete, but as we call him, a mauler. And Howard did that two different times. And another thing I was watching, it had nothing to do with them going against the Packers, but Tim Kelly taking Deshaun Watson and his top three receivers, Hopkins, Fuller, and QT, down in the end zone, and he instructed them, and they threw – down and outs into the end zone, just working by himself, and Kelly really coaching him up. And and I focused on Kahali Waring, and there was no way to miss him. 
because with Jordan Thomas out, Jordan Aikens moves up. Aikens continues to me to be not the biggest surprise of camp. He averaged 13 yards a catch as a rookie and was a third-round pick in his older and more mature because of his baseball days. But he just he gets the ball, and he turns it up the field. He puts his foot down, and boom, cuts and turns it up the field. And I, They've got a lot of weapons at the skill positions. At, at receiver and tight end. I just, as early this morning, did a fantasy football on Sirius, and they were like, you know, well, the tight ends are this. And I said, guys, keep an eye on them. Uh-huh. And uh, and so Waring, one of the things I liked watching him, he runs his routes hard, and he doesn't stop till he hears the whistle. Even when the ball's thrown to the other side of the field, he's still going all out. And when he had to hit people, he hit people. When he had the wall blocking, he walled. And then he had good catches, but he had that great touchdown catch at the end with two guys on him where he mm-hmm. made a big leap and he caught it from A.J. McCarron. And I know after all that time he missed, Bill O'Brien was very skeptical about his first day when we talked about Bill disagreed with us, but no way he disagreed yesterday because Kahali Waring looked really good. Josh Ferguson kind of lost in the praise of, Karan Higdon Jr. and Demaria Crockett. I went back after watching him get a ball, turn a corner, and just explode up the field for a touchdown. Went back and read his profiles coming out of Illinois. What a good receiver he was in college. How he ran a 4-4-8. And he's the one that has the most experience in his third year. So I watched him too. And I'm, I'm impressed every day, and as I'm sure you guys are, with what you see from Crockett and Higdon. And I'm really pumped about the game. I don't care about the starters. I want to see, you know, they're asking a lot for Matt Khalil and Chantrell Henderson to hold up at offensive tackle, considering what their injury history. Mm -hmm. And hopefully for the Texans' sake, they can both start 16 games. But Khalil held his own. we got to watch him, and I'm assuming he'll play a little bit. Uh, And then Henderson will play a little bit. But they got to look at all those young guys. But uh, watching Khalil yesterday, uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. And he's going to be a work in progress as he gets back physically. But also, he's got to – you know, you'd think a guy in his shape who's 31 years old would be just – have a lot of confidence. But like J.J. said last year at this time, he didn't know. He, he, he knew what he thought he could do. He was confident he could. But he didn't know till he'd do it. And I guarantee you Matt Khalil's the same way. What's interesting, John, a couple of things that you said – that Titus Howard rep, of, of course, the one that's making its rounds on Twitter that everybody uh, has seen, he was at left tackle going against Fackrell. And Fackrell, Fackrell's not the strongest guy, but he's very quick. Yes, he and is. And Titus just got in front of him and said, eh, no, you're done. And, and that was pretty impressive. Now, I did see J.J.'s two reps of one-on-ones, and poor Alex Light uh, from Richmond, uh, who's been here for a couple of years, J.J. was, of course, in front of all the fans, and you could I just knew what was coming. I was like, I turned to my dad, and I said, <laughs> here comes the bull rush. And he took, John, he took light, and he took him seven yards beyond the quarterback. Like, he just, like, I mean, I could just almost hear the noise J.J. made. Like, I just took him right on past. Um, but I thought it was a pretty interesting day all around. Now, I'm going to read you a tweet, and I want you to expand on this. You talked about the running backs a little bit. Um, of course, now I'm going to Mike Clay. Tweet, oh, here it is. Mike Clay who is on uh, NFL, ESPN NFL Prognosticator. Yeah, Serious Fantasy. He said, 
quoting you about an hour ago. He said, I believe the Texans' second back is with another team. How would you – what are your thoughts on that? I think we're going to see these guys a lot, but when you think about how they got here and what's required of them, and we can't underestimate the pass protection. That is, that is imperative if you're going to play in this backfield. And we talked yesterday about Alfred Blue, and the fans were, oh, no, please, not Alfred Blue. But if he got cut by Jacksonville, then I think he would be a candidate. But I don't know yet if these guys can pass protect. They yeah. don't have to be as good as Lamar because Lamar's really well, really good at it, does yeah. it really well. And he's a good receiver. Well, these guys, we know Ferguson can catch. Not sure. You know, Buddy Howell seems to be just a special teams guy. But the two undrafted rookies, will one of those guys be good enough in all three phases to be able to come in and replace Miller when he needs a breather or gets hurt? I think they want a more experienced back who is someone who – works hard at those other things like receiving and blocking and will continue to get better. But the thing is, nobody's going to part with anybody now, right? And no, you don't I don't have think to trade. so now. I wouldn't do it now. I'd wait till players start getting cut. Maybe somebody's got one too many and you give them a six. You know, as we've talked about, they're going to have three compensatory draft choices. The Texans need Kareem Jackson and Tyron Matthew to play really well this season so they can get threes for them. Except against them. Except against yeah. them. That would give them three threes. So you can't trade compensatory picks. Unless uh, you have them. Unless you have them, <laughs> yeah. And so maybe they'd be more inclined to trade a three. I think if they traded three, it would never be for a back. And probably wouldn't right. trade it. It would have to be for a corner, specifically a slot corner. But uh, do you guys agree that the that – the, Second back who who has a chance to play quite a bit because you know Mar gets beat up is with another team. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think they could pick up another back, but I don't know if it'll be the second back that this person turns out to be. I still have high hopes that one of these guys, other than Lamar, turns out to be that person. And guess what? They're going to get a lot of playing time. You know, yeah. Lamar's not going to play much. Lamar. Every time Watson's on the field, I would assume Lamar will be with him for those reasons. Do we you think out. Watson's going to play a series? Uh, Thursday, it's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, Obi seemed to refer to allude to the fact that everybody, more than likely, everybody would play at least a little. But he gave himself an out. Yeah, that seems to that seems to be kind of the way I I would think. Considering he played last year, when we were talking about this yesterday, that last year you kind of had to rebaptize him into the NFL fold. If you see where he was with his knee, just get him out there. Just just Mm -hmm. test. You know, stick his toe in the water, and that's basically what happened against the Chiefs. Now, if they were able to convert that third down, you'd probably continue that drive and who knows what happens maybe he's out there for 10 plays so maybe one drive i would say one drive max if anything on thursday i have not watched higdon and crockett in blitz pickup i've watched them run right i've watched them catch i haven't either but if they're not really good at it they're not going to be the second back. I well, mean, Higdon, and they're not going Higdon's, to be out there with Watson anyway. I'll tell you, John. No, no, having, I'm talking about during the season. I, I, I'll tell you, I've watched, I've watched some of the one-on-ones. The best pass protector of all the running backs is Lamar Miller. The second best is Colin Gillespie. He's the second best. Well, there won't be him. And so, uh, and, and by the way, as you say that, who's the fastest of all the running backs? Ferguson. What he running in? Four four eight. Uh, I guess what Gillespie ran in his pro day. What did he run? Well, that's four four eight. Well, so I mean, 
Uh, anyway, you need to hear there. Well, but. what if I got here's a hypothetical for you guys. What if Gillespie in one of these games or multiple games turns out to run the ball well? Now I know it's going to be against the twos and the threes, but what if that happens? I'm I not saying he's a second. I back. think that's a stretch. That might be a stretch. I think Aggies he's going to be right best now, charging down the field and uh, and doing what he does but, best. But John, when you see when you see Alfred Blue out there, when you saw Alfred Blue out there in a uh, pass protection situation, like third down and long, you know Blue's not going to get the ball in all likelihood. He's he's in there to pass protect, right? But he also caught the ball a little bit. He could, but. Could Gillespie potentially – maybe it's a strong hypothetical. But there's no chance of Gillespie, Gillespie of getting the ball. Yeah. Well, None. But if he's but, – but on third downs, if, you know, if, if you're not satisfied with what you're getting from Ferguson, be it pass protection or whatever the case might be, you sure as heck can throw the ball to, to Gilly for sure. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And, and if, the, the biggest key with him is just – with any, any rookie at this point is, do you know who to block? Because yeah. when it's one-on-one and you're doing one-on-one drills, like, you know, okay, he's coming, I got him, this is the drill. It right. isn't like he's going to blitz over here and I got protection on the left side. So he, you, you know that. But do you know who to block? If you've got a particular uh, protection scheme, are you going to know? If, Gla- if Gillespie knows who to block, that guy will get blocked. Lamar knows who to block. So do, can Higdon and Crockett figure out which guy they have to? Because if they do, then Crockett is going to be the better guy because I've seen Higdon struggle with that. Um, trying to pass protect it, that, that has not been great for him in the one-on-ones. But for rookies, you just question, you're, you're seeing all these different looks, you're seeing all these the sim knowledge. pressures. Do you know which guy you're going to be responsible, responsible for? That, to me, is the biggest question. And if one of those young guys can figure that out, then I think that guy takes a jump up. But to your point, John, about running backs is the number two on this roster, I wouldn't be surprised if they look and the one place that you would think they're always going to look where the verbiage is very similar is where? New England. And New England has four backs, Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, James White, and Damian Harris. I don't think they're going to go into the season with four backs. I don't, I, maybe they will. They have before. But one of those guys may be available. I'll be shocked. Whereas Cullen Gillespie had to do things he never did in college. Yeah. Remember, he made the team on special teams and got to have a cup of coffee on the field, I believe, got to score the first touchdown for a 12th man. And to come in here and be able to play regularly in the backfield to protect Watson, well, they, with no threat of him getting the ball on the run, they don't have, you can abandon uh, – you can abandon worried about a draw play or anything. Yeah. The second back is coming from somewhere else. I just – the reason why I hesitate to say that is because I'm just wondering what's going to be available out there for you. You mentioned the Those guy like guys are coming – what – there are a dime a dozen of backup running backs in the NFL. All right. I mean, if you have a really good a, a good enough one for you here, I'm just wondering if that's going to actually be available. Somebody must have a great surplus if that's the case. Well, that's what I'm saying. New England's got four of them. I mean, that's, that's one place you look. I mean, you're going to – what has been the history of players that have come to this place that have contributed offensively? I'm not saying about the waiver claims last year because Buddy and A.J. – when they got here, they immediately went special teams. It was like they were going to play. Yeah. The only guys that have gotten on the field have been guys that have some knowledge of what this offense or defensive scheme is. Demaris Johnson? Do you guys know there's shock. more Texans mm-hmm. playing for the Patriots than there are Patriots playing for the Texans? By far. They, they, they pick up our exes That's, because they're time sitting to get there one going, of them back, now, John. Now, who can we get that plays our type, type of scheme? Let's see. <sighs> Texans just cut this guy. Let's bring him in. Oh, my gosh. All right, what else, John? Around the league here, as we talked a little bit about Andrew Luck yesterday, 
cult situation. He's now practicing. He's now playing in the preseason. But what else is catching your eye from around the National Football League at large? Oh, Mark, I'm sorry. I'm, let me think. I haven't paid much attention to what's going on around the league. I'm paying attention to the Texans. I'll give you one, John. I'll give you one to chew on a little bit. Please. Yannick Ngakwe Came held in. out. Yep. And then he comes in. And, I, I mean, I, I just – I understand the whole thing about, you know, getting a, a vested year, whatever the, the case might be, but it just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, it feels like to me, if you're making the stance of holding out, then hold out. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. What, it's what do you all think about that situation? at this time of year. It only costs them, what, 1200 a week. If I'm Jadavion Clowney and I'm trying, and I go to the pass rush school with Chuck Smith and um, uh, Julius Peppers, so I'm doing pass, trying to be a better pass rusher because I want to get paid as a pass rusher. I come in early. I don't just come in to get that first game check, which everybody does after the uh, after that Cowboy game. Then they start preparing for the opener. I want to come in and play in a game, bang on people, get in football condition. I want to hit the ground running against the Saints. National TV, I want all these other teams, potential Teams that might want me in a trade after next year, I want them to see me. I don't want to come in and people go, well, you know what? He looked like he missed the offseason, and uh, he's not in football condition, great Mm -hmm. physical shape, knows the defense. It's going to take him two or three games. I want to come in there and they go, wow, Clowney's off to a great start. That's just me. If I'm Buzz Cook, I'm telling him, you need to get in there. And and you've already proved your point. It's not going to change anything. And I would seriously consider it if I'm any of those guys holding out. Like, they swear Melvin Gordon's not going to get a new deal. They've offered him, like, $10 million a year, and he don't like it. Well, that's what you get for backs today. Elliott's going to get the most money of the running backs whenever they do it. Gordon's been hurt too much. But guys got to understand, maybe they're listening to their agents, maybe not. If you're going to hold out and you just don't want to – to go to practice, then fine. But if you're going to be blustery about it and act like you're not going to play, then you come in with your tail tucked between your legs. What good does that do you? I've got one more for you. Pete Prisco, we just had him on last segment, and he sa- I asked him about 18 games. He said, yeah, it's coming. 18 games is definitely coming. I disagree. Your thoughts? I don't know. That, that asinine idea of having players play 16 oh, is just preposterous. No way. Yeah. There's no way, and, and as we talked about this before, the least important games are the non-conference games. So the Texans would set Watson for the and Drew Brees. They'd set Drew Brees because why should they play them in a non-conference game? How would, how would ESPN and the NFL like that? What do you do about kickers and punters and snappers? Do you have two? So that, yeah. that doesn't wash. If you play the players enough, they'll do it. And I think lifetime insurance – uh, let them be free agents a year sooner, help their benefits, and uh, but and increase the roster. Let the whole fifty-three be active on game days, and and but you're still going to have more injuries and quarterbacks get hurt. There's not enough good backup quarterbacks. There's not enough good starting quarterbacks to go around. I think it would water down the product even more when the backup quarterbacks have to play. All right, John, what are you going on in the Chronicle? I wrote today just kind of a scene setter, and I'm writing tomorrow about going against Aaron Rodgers in practice should help the defensive backs get ready for this murderer's row of quarterbacks coming the first seven games. 
And uh, Aaron Wilson wrote today about the backup running back situation, and we'll have more stories tomorrow. And Brett Coomer, our extraordinary photographer, he's done a tremendous job, just like all your guys did yesterday. Yep. A lot of great stuff on HoustonChronicle.com, Texas Sports Nation, and HoustonTexans.com. Right. Thank you, guys. I will talk to you in the morning. Thank you, John. The General John McClain joining us, and he's right. Go to HoustonTexans.com. Check out the Chronicle as well. All the great stuff from Green Bay. We're trying to bring Green, Green Bay to Houston. We can't bring the weather to Houston, but we can bring what's going on up here for you to ingest via social media, digital media, whatever media. Okay, next up, we break down a position group every day at 9. This is a very underrated underappreciated and crucial important position group yes. coming your way next and it's our last one it's the last house on the left but it might be one of the more important houses on the block that's all i'm going to say about that then landry locker at 9:35 with his questions of the day and we'll hear from a Texan. Who did Drew catch up with yesterday, by Brian the way? Brian Body Calhoun. Brian Body Calhoun. Oh, boy. You want to talk underrated. This guy is good. Oh, what does oh. he say? His favorite yes. NFL player ever. You are going to be shocked. Brace yourself. I am not even kidding about this. This is not an oversell. You can't undersell this <laughs> no. one. At no. At 9.20, we'll have that for you. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more. On your Houston Texans. Texans training camp is underway. Get all the breaking news, updates, interviews, and more right now at HoustonTexans.com. Now back to Texans training camp live. Presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors, Geico, and by Papa John's Houston. Boy, we got a great debate for you at 935. I hate to I oh, hate to do man. such a long tease, but Johnny, you know, Johnny grew up in Wisconsin and he wants to buy a Bart Starr jersey, which is Bart super was my cool. hero, man. No, super cool. That's super cool. I mean, cool. outside of my parents, Bart Starr is one of my I mean, he was the quarterback here. He was the coach here. I mean, but it, I think it, okay, so I mean I don't even want to get into this right now, no, but know. it's like it's easier in the NFL because the two conferences rarely play each other. Right. So it's it's easier to say, hey, I'm going to go wear an Eli Manning jersey in Houston. Who cares? Yeah, Eli Manning. No, I'm talking about former players. We'll, we'll get to this yeah, at 935. Well, I mean, Eli's, gonna, Eli's already a former player, and he's still playing. I don't know. We, we need to get we, – we're getting into this. Former general, players. Let's just know that the general agrees with me. Former players who are still playing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic. <laughs> that does happen. That kind of does happen. It's kind of like former PGA players who are still playing. It, it sort of relates uh, to our 920 interview, by the way, too. Oh, it kind of does. Kinda our 920 does. interview with Brian Body Calhoun on who his favorite NFL player was. Oh, my gosh. you got to wait for this. This is good. <laughs> All right, but right now we need the NFL Films music because it is time. I don't know if he's got it potted up. I don't know if he's got it ready. Hey, he's oh, getting it. He Austin furiously, it? Austin is – he got it. Today's position group is one of the most important ones. It doesn't get discussed enough. In fact, I find it incredibly boring to watch this group practice. <laughs> incredibly boring. And I gave the analogy last week that when I'm watching practice, when this group takes the stage, it's the equivalent of going to a classic rock concert and the leader of the band says, and now we'd like to play something from our new album. <laughs> That's when you go to the restroom, <laughs> when this group practices. And I'm just talking about watching practice, not the game, 
watching practice because special teams practice is boring. It's incredibly boring. It is the most boring thing about watching practice. I enjoy watching practice, but special teams is dull city. They're not going full out. They're practicing where they're lining up. Now, I don't mind watching Kaimi Fairbairn do his thing. Oh, because that's, oh, man. That, that's, that's I forgot fire. to put that in my Harris hits yesterday. And we'll talk about that right, in a second. That, that, oh, that I don't mind watching me. the field goals because, you know, it's like, is it good or not? All right, I want to see him do his thing. Or when they're practicing some of the punts, okay, mm-hmm. seeing if Trevor Daniel and Brian Anger can, you know, belt 170 yards. Okay, cool. But the rest of it, no. The rest of it is all about. And then they're using the, the punt machine because they don't want to wear out the legs because they have to go punt after punt. Yeah. And then does the guy catch it or not? No, that's boring. But, Johnny, special teams, it's incredibly important. They dramatically improved last year, but they know there's another level for them to get to. They're not resting here. They're trying to get better every day. Brad Seeley is awesome. Let's go, special teams. No doubt. Let's start with the coaching staff because Brad Seeley and Tracy Smith are phenomenal what they do. They – they came to Houston with a plan, and they – and I know that sounds like they came to Houston with a plan, but they, but they did. They have a plan on how they do special teams, and they've been doing it together for a while. So they, they're kind of they're, – they're two brains, but they kind of act as one massive brain because they know exactly what each other's thinking. And I think Brad Seeley and, and Tracy Smith were fantastic at starting special teams. Then you get to the specialists. I'll start with Kaimi Fairbairn. Last year he led the, he led the, the league in field goals. That's got to change. He asked me the other day, we were, we were kind of going off the field, at, or he, we were kind of passing each other, changing drills, and he said, how do we look today? And I said, like, you're not going to lead the league in field goals this year. And that's kind of my hope is that he doesn't. Yeah. He kind of smiled, and I was like, more extra points. But we found last year that he hit a couple of clutch field goals, a couple yeah. of massive field goals. He hit 50 yarders. He hit key field goals when we needed to have them. Now, he was kind of like the team in, in a lot of sense, and – you know, early on in the year, you know, he missed one at Tennessee about 50 yards. Could have helped him if, he, if Deshaun had not gotten sacked prior to that, but he missed a 50-yarder, 50-yard-plus uh, one against Tennessee. That hurt us in that game. But from week four on, week three on, he was, he was fantastic. Here's the other thing with Kaimi. He's now, you know, we talk about quarterbacks a lot, and what's the first thing you talk about a lot of times with quarterbacks? The arm strength. Right. And I think it's arm strength. I mean, that's the thing about Rodgers. You see the arm strength. But – Aaron can make every throw. If he's got a if he's got to drop one in versus I got to laser this one or I right. got a sidearm this one. Right. Yeah, Mallet has a good arm too, but right. can you make the short pass? It has your right. short game. But it's that eighty mile an hour fastball every time, right. even from me to you away. Yep. So he does it all the time. So I see a guy like Rogers, you got like Sean Watson, they they understand what kind of th- Kaimi, I think, is that way kicking the football. And especially with kickoffs. I was watching him yesterday with kickoffs. I meant to write this. And we've talked about this. With our coverage units, we've got to be able to get to a point where we can kick the ball in that far corner mm-hmm. away from their sideline, which a lot of times is where they want to return to, and kick it to about the one or two-yard line and force the return. Because yeah. our cover units are so good, they're going to corral that return inside the 20. And I saw him do that repeatedly yesterday. He'd go to one corner, he'd go to the other corner, and he was dropping it like two, three-yard line, forcing the return. Beautiful. I don't think – I saw one – one time where the coach, he kicked it a little deep, and the coach had to flip the ball to the returner, and he, he ran it. But every single time other than that one, he had it in those corners or right at the goal line to force the return. That's going to be a big part of special teams this year, Mark, is Kaimi Fairbairn putting the ball in that far corner and forcing the return when they want to. Now, there might be some times when 
you know, maybe at the end of the half or end of a game where you take a lead with how many ever seconds left, and you're like, look, they got a really good returner back there. Let's just not even take a chance. Let's right. just bang it through the end. And he can do that too. Mm-hmm. So he's got the varied skill set kicking off that's going to help you because you can play the field position game just based on what he can do. Yeah. Now as a rookie, he's just bombing it. You know, he, you know he's bombing it uh, or second-year guy because I think he was hurt as a rookie. And so you don't – you know, it was like just put it through the end zone. But now he's to a point where if you want it through the end zone, great. You want it in the corner? Right. You want it pooch? Like what do you want? He can now – Bring all of those to the party. And I think he's kicking with a lot of confidence. I think the punter battle is going to be very interesting starting Thursday night. All right, so Anger and Daniel. Very interesting. And I'll tell you this. You, the, I'm, I'm like you. Special teams is kind of an opportunity for me to like look at my notebook because I'm just writing furiously notes throughout. And I go back and I look at my notebook. And so special teams a lot of times is the time when I like check my notes and make sure that things I've written are legible, that I can recall it. you understand your own writing. Right, that I can recall it and then I can put it down if I yes. need to. But when Anger and Daniel are punting, I watch every time because wow. they hit rockets. So trying to discern, like I'll see a punt. I'll see the ball in the air and I'm like, wow, who is that? Like, you got to try and figure it out. Like, I, I, I saw one day, I, I couldn't really see who the punter was. They'd punt it, then they'd cover. And I'm watching this punt. I'm like, wow, who was that? Anger. Next punt. Oh, man, was that anger again? Oh, no, that's Daniel. Just going back and forth. Right. Just back and forth. So this is a really, it's a really impressive battle between these two. And I'm curious to see how it kind of all plays out. Are you glad they brought in anger? Yes. Because Daniel won the job over Leckler last year. Yeah. So it, the fact that Daniel himself was brought in to compete with Leckler, who still had plenty right. of leg, right. shows you that Daniel should not be surprised that somebody's bringing in well, here's a the punter thing. to compete with him. Here, here, yeah, and, here's what I, and that's what I like about it, Mark, is the fact that I think Trevor responds to the competition. And when I think about Trevor, I think about a couple of moments. I think about one at Tennessee where he, he wanted to pooch one inside the five, and he hit it five yards deep in the end zone, which gave Tennessee all kinds of room to move out on, on the – And it was a net 20 yards right. or some ridiculous thing, yeah. But then in game four, just two weeks later, he puts one inside the two-yard line when we're down seven to nothing, and Clowney recovers the fumble two plays later. In Indianapolis. And it was like he made that change in his game. That, and I was like, as a rookie, that's impressive yep. to change your game like that. And I think tr- – I think Trevor responds to the competition, so I think we're going to see an even better Trevor Daniel. I, I don't know what their deciding point is going to be, but I, you, Trevor's got the younger leg. I'm curious to see what he does in his second year. Anger's so, already lost a job, right. so there's a downside there that he achieved. Now, not that he, he will do it again, but right. he's available for a reason. Right, absolutely. And I think Trevor can be a really good punter in this league for a long time. But I said yes to that because I do think that anger presents competition for Trevor. But Trevor last year was better and better by the day because he was battling with Shane. And I think that's where Trevor really responds. So I think Trevor's going to be an even better punter. But really the competition, I think, will go all the way through week four of the preseason. So from that perspective, those three are are really, really good. Return, guys, because you don't have – DeAndre Carter out oh, there boy. right now. And who knows when he gets back. Johnny, they I might know. be in a situation here. Vincent Smith's been returning some kickoffs yep. along with other guys. Yep. I don't know if they look at him as a punt returner, but I think punt returner is an area where they really don't know yet. And yes. they're going to use these games to find out. Absolutely. And I think when it's kick return, punt return, I think you're talking about some of the same guys. Now, I think in a perfect world, DeAndre Carter would win the backup slot 
position, quote unquote, and be the return guy. That I think in a perfect world with DeAndre, we're not a perfect world because DeAndre hasn't gotten on the field yet due to the injury that he had suffered. He's still rehabbing from, and he's still on pup list. So we haven't seen him, but they've got some options. I'm going to throw an option at you, and and maybe you have to explain it later. But if there's a way that Stevie Mitchell could return kicks and punts, I. Th- I, th- I think you've got to consider keeping him around. Mark, he was fabulous yesterday. I mean, at one point, my dad said to me, hey, who's 11? And I was like, Stevie Mitchell? He goes, he's catching everything. And he was. I turn around, he catches a deep ball. He, catch- he caught a little smoke screen and got up the field. He can fly. And if there's a way that Stevie Mitchell could, could return kicks mm-hmm. and punts and do it effectively, that, that might be your return guy. And be that fifth guy. Yes, absolutely. Fourth or fifth. Because I don't want to lose him, Mark. Maybe right now some assume Smith would be that fourth or fifth receiver. Right. And then you get your returner in there. Right. And maybe it all works out that way. Uh, maybe. maybe. And, I mean, that's that's where these games become big. But I, I don't know if Stevie will get opportunities. He's been back there to catch some punts and, and catch some kickoffs. But if there were a way that you could put him back there and just see what he can do, I, I'd, re- I'd love to see it because what he's doing as a receiver right now, I, I guarantee you they've got to be thrilled with him. So from that perspective, I'd love to give Stevie a shot. But you're right, Vincent's going to get opportunities on kick returns. I don't know about punt returns, but kick returns for sure. I don't know if Kiki will return punts. I don't know if you want to uh, – I don't know if you want to threaten with that or even worry about that during the year. but Only if it's a playoff situation and you don't yeah. like your current punt returner. Or I, you like him, but you think you can move it kind up. Kind of the way that they use Will Fuller. Like, if Will wasn't getting targeted yeah. in the passing game, they would put him back there to give him return. So, maybe that's the way they do it with Kiki. But I think if or DeAndre Daniel Carter Manning can get back. kickoff returner back in the day in the playoffs. Oh, man. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. When you need it. Yeah. Only when you got to have it. Right. That's your guy. All right, we got uh, only about 30 seconds to a minute left. So here, uh, quick notes. A.J. Moore led the team in special team stops last year. He's back. No Brian Peters this year, but you have some guys who can maybe replace him or help do that. Between Kalambayi, Scarlett, Dylan Cole, A.J. Moore, Johnson Batamosi, Joe Webb, you've got guys that and, – and, look, there will be a starter sprinkled in every now and again. You know, sometimes Zach is on, on one of those, those return teams. And then uh, Colin Gillespie. Right. How can I forget him? You've got guys that respect special teams, love special teams, cherish the impact they can make on special teams. The coverage units, I think, will be even better because those guys are all experienced in the system now, and then you throw in a couple more talented guys like Gillespie into that mix. Uh, I think you're going to end up having some really good coverage units, and combined with Kaimi's improvement on kickoffs in particular, you got an opportunity to really win field position and make all these quarterbacks that you're going to have to face go at least 85, 80 yards to put the ball in the end zone. All right, that's it. Our special teams position group breakdown. Tomorrow, Johnny, at this time, Johnny will do every player on the roster in rapid fire. Yep. I think that's one sentence each. I did the math. Okay. I did the math, roughly, <laughs> roughly speaking. I didn't use 90 guys, even though we don't have 90 guys out there right now. Yeah. But I've got eight seconds for a guy. So you oh. can't mess around. You just got to throw a name and I got to go. That's I, are you, eight seconds? Eight seconds per guy. Okay, eight seconds. A player. Johnny's going to do everything. I can actually do two sentences and eight. Two sentences and eight seconds. I know you can. It's going to be tough, though. All right. Next up, Brian Body Calhoun, a new Texan. He's doing well out there, by the way. Who's his favorite all-time football player? You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. It's going to be fun. And 9:35, Landry's questions, including what jersey of a former player for another team, any sport actually. Oh, any sport. Any sport well, would be acceptable to wear in Houston. Yeah. Okay. But it's got to be another team. It's got to be an out-of-town team. 
This is tougher in basketball because the two teams they, they cross over. They, uh, I know, but uh, they, but you okay, like right, one that right. I say is unacceptable. Right, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that at nine thirty-five. It's Texans training camp live. Who's looking good? Who'll need to step up? How's the depth chart looking? The answers are right here on Texans Training Camp Live. I'm Wendy Merciless, starting outside linebacker for your Houston Texans. For the latest on your favorite team in mind, go to HoustonTexans.com. Oh, Whitney, he looked good yesterday, yes, he right? Did. He was going up against Bakhtiari, the best left tackle in the league. Yeah, he did. He did a lot. I know I watched the one-on-ones in particular where the first one, the first one's a beauty. It was he threw a spin move on Bakhtiari, and then Bakhtiari started. I mean, he threw a spin move back to the inside. Bakhtiari started to slide with him, and then all of a sudden his wit spun back inside. He combined it with it. He dropped the shoulder. You know, you just drop your shoulder. Like you, it almost pops out of place. Yeah, every time I'm rushing a passer, I try that move, and, and he dropped that. Doesn't shoulder. work as well for me, actually. But and Bakhtiari tried to get his hands on him. He and just he ripped right underneath the hands and got there. The next one, Bakhtiari kind of slid with him. Uh, Witt tried to long arm him, stab move. Some people call it, you know, it's basically one arm. You try and drive, and then you're going to make a move off that. Bakhtiari locked him up, but it was so fun to watch those two go. I could have watched that for the next twenty reps. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. They were just kind of, you know, it was like heavyweight fights, like you know couple of couple of combinations by one guy and the other guy a couple of combinations it's like you shake hands like all right it's a good battle it was it was a really good battle between those two but i thought it looked really good yesterday well joint practices will be next week with the detroit lions on wednesday and thursday mm-hmm. at houston methodist training center and i always go back to this with joint practices you were talking about how the roster looks against their roster and mm-hmm. you know are you are you holding your own and and i always tell the story about 2005 when the broncos were in for joint practices and i went home and i said "Uh oh we're in trouble right we're in trouble because i i wasn't even going that far i just thought i hope denver's going to the super bowl because <laughs> yeah. we're not what they are right. whatever right. they are we're not that because they looked completely different completely yep. proficient and that was a Denver team that went to the afc championship game and the texans oh, yeah. went to and 14 right. and i spotted that early <laughs> <laughs> in these joint practices. But I watched yesterday, and I'm saying, oh, man. I mean, this is this is not even, you know, we're not getting outclassed here at all. We're actually, you know, making plays right. and making stops, and, and that was good. Now, Aaron Rodgers will torch people. This just in. Oh. Uh, this team with him is still capable of beating anybody in the league because he's that good. You know, it, it's pretty simple, folks. If you can move the sticks on third down – all right, well, the other team's offense isn't on the field. Your offense right. is still on the field, and guess what? That's how the game is played. It's like it's sands in the hourglass, you know? <laughs> the longer you're on the field, the less they are. Hey, isn't that great? Uh, so uh, with a quarterback like this, you can make plays, you can win games, and I don't know how they're going to do this year. This division is kind of weird. Uh, who knows about Minnesota? They have Kubiak now that's going to help their offense, but yeah. again, who knows? Detroit, uh, who I don't know. They've I mean, added some. They've added a lot of pieces. A yeah. lot of pieces. Well, we're going to see. Line. Next, we're going to see next week. Mike Daniels and Trey Flowers. Now I don't yeah. know how healthy they are. I think, yeah. I think Flowers is still on pup. Yeah. So we're going to see that. Bears but, should be pretty good. But is anybody going to be totally shocked if they take a little step back no. from last year? I, I'm not. No, I'm not because offensively, I still don't think they're very good. I mean, I, I mean, look, yeah. Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl, but. I'm not living and dying with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I, yeah. feel, I feel like there's Mahomes and Watson, and then Trubisky's down here from that yeah. 2017 class. Look, he made the Pro Bowl well, in large part because 
it was a winning team, and you can only take so many guys. Some guys, you know, beg out of it because mm-hmm. they finished playing or one's going to the Super Bowl, whatever. So it's I, a I don't wide o- It's a wide-open division, Absolutely. Honestly. I mean, it's a hard Absolutely. one to pick. One of the hardest to pick in the whole league right now. Oh, I, I think so. I, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think what it's else a good is, division. I mean, it, it's hard to pick the AFC South, I guess, but every, everyone says all right, Colts because of what happened right. late last year. But I think this is even harder to pick. Yeah, there's no question. I think the I think the I think the AFC West is tough from two team perspective. Like, do you pick the Chargers, Chiefs? I mean, Prisco really likes the Chargers, so I thought that was interesting to hear from him from that perspective. So I think the AFC West be that. You know what? I think is gonna be tough, and we're gonna find this out right smack dab in our face is the NFC South. I think Atlanta is gonna come back if they're healthy and they are a little bit better defensively. Carolina has got one of the better front sevens in the league. I mean, their front seven is going to mm. be incredible. You got the Saints, obviously. Saints, Panth- uh, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, those three. Now, look, the Bucks are a total wild card, but, you know, Bruce Arians is down there and see what he's able yeah. to do. But you've got Jameis Winston who can go both yeah. good and bad any day. Bump some he people can throw off. for 504 touchdowns yeah. one week and the next week throw for 98 yards and five interceptions you know, the next. We, we talk about the schedule. That finishing three-game kick, the Titans, you just don't know what they're going to be at that yeah, point. I know. Titans twice and the Bucks sandwiched in between mm-hmm. there. We'll see. All right, we, we'll see about this now. Brian Body Calhoun is a new player for the Texans, free agent pickup, and looks good in that secondary. He's going to help somehow, some way. So Drew Doherty caught up with him. So the fans, that would be you and us, we can all get to know him a little bit better with a dozen questions. Let's hear it. All right, we got Brian Body Calhoun with us for 12 questions. And let's start first with your first name. I don't think I said that right, did I? Brian. 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 Yes. Like Brian, but Brian. Like Brian, but Brian. Just like if if we were spelling it uh, phonetically, it would be B-R-E-E-I-N. So it is Brian. My last name's Doherty. People say Doherty, 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 uh-huh. Dirty. So I can I can understand the uh, mix-ups there. Okay, right. what's the best part of coming to Houston after playing in Cleveland, playing in Minnesota in college, growing up in Delaware? Best part, I would say, is being around a uh, competitive group and the, the weather. Even though it's so hot, but I, every, everywhere I've been, it's gotten, it's gotten cold. So it's going to be nice here to have a, a breezy fall and a breezy winter. You know? Yes, it is always a mild fall and winter in comparison. But how have you dealt with the heat after those hot practices in Houston? What do you do? Water. A whole lot of water. Uh, bananas are good. Drink a lot of fruit. Uh, eat a lot of fruit, like smoothies. But it's all about just staying hydrated. If, if I'm not getting five bottles of water in, I'm definitely going to feel it the next day. You are definitely from Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, because you just pronounced the word water, H2O. How did you pronounce it? Water. 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 That's good. I like it. I, I'll take that. Water, yes. It's water. <laughs> so you're from Wilmington. You grew up Wait, with how it. how do you say it? Water? It's water. You water. Know. It's yeah, I'm a water guy. Potato, potato. It's but, right. But yeah, we'll, we'll I've take, never heard of potato, though. I haven't either, but exactly. it's like that old saying. Yeah, you know. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you grew, you grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Angelo Blackson, defensive yes. lineman on this team, also grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Yes. You guys have a nice history together, and it goes back to junior high, does it not? It, it sure does. AAU basketball, 7th, 8th grade. Mm-hmm. Angelo was probably about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, probably like 200, 180 probably. So he was your post? <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely the post, and he was just as uh, nasty as he was in the, in the trenches. So oh. if he played basketball, he'd use all six in the NBA. Were you... Running the point? Were you an off guard? What were you? It depends on the game. Usually I, I was uh, running the point. I could play the, sh- the, the two guard, but it just depended on how the game was. If we needed an extra ball handler, I would stay back court. But if it was uh, something where we was just handling the ball and, and they didn't press us or anything, then we already had a guard who could handle that type of stuff. All-time favorite basketball player is? LeBron James. All-time favorite football player is? 
Cortland Finnegan. Really? Yeah. Whoa, dude. Sorry. Do you know the sorry. history? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a short corner, though. I'm a short no, corner. No, I understand why. He's just so – he plays with so much fire, plays with so much tenacity. And I actually saw uh, an ESPN insider on, on that whole deal with Andre Johnson and whatnot. And basically, he just – he, he has that bad guy label on the field, but this is a violent sport. This is a man's game, you know what I'm saying? So when you're on the field, you have to play like that. But once I saw that he played like that, but he was like the complete opposite off the field, I said, that's someone that I want to model my game after. I want to be uh, gritty, nasty on the field, but when I come off the field, everyone uh, has respect for me, not only as a football player, but just as a person. And as an entertainer, too, someday, right? And as an entertainer. Someday. What's the latest there? You started a rap label, did you not? I did. I started a uh, record label last year. Okay. Uh, looking to sign, uh, sign a few artists here. Not looking for too many, not looking for strict deals or anything, but just looking to uh, kind of help the community out, you know, um, where, where I'm from, there's there's usually two ways to make it out, and that's uh, with sports, and that's in entertainment, uh, whatever that being. And I just want to uh, use a platform, kind of help people, just just to uh, show their talent. So, I mean, how rare is that? You're the guy who's doing a little bit of both. Yes, yes, I'm I'm doing a little bit of both, but uh, this will always be number one until it's not number one anymore. I asked you this four four or five months ago. I'm going to ask it again. It's going to wrap this interview up. The Mount Rushmore of hip hop artists yes. is who? Was Khalifa. For my female, I'm gonna go Lauren Hill and Jay Z. Brian Body Calhoun. I said it right, Brian. Brian, that's right. You said it right. We appreciate you taking time with us. Twelve questions. Best of luck this week. Best Thank of luck you. through training camp. Best of luck in the 2019 season. Great to talk with you as always. Thank you, you too, man. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Oh, he's so okay. much fun. But Cortland Finnegan, really? But if you listen, and I know you, you know that because we talked about this. Yeah. We heard that interview. And we're like, okay, can we play this? And then when you listen to what he says. <laughs> of course. Can you, when you listen to what he says and why he why he you uh, get it looks, you, get you understand. It. It. Although I will tell Coach Johnson that would be Andre Johnson <laughs> about this. I will rat him out, and they <laughs> they can have a conversation about it. All right, next up, Landry Locker's questions. What former player from another team's jersey is acceptable to wear in Houston? Like Johnny wearing Bart Starr, that's acceptable. Landry Locker is going to ask us that, among other things. It's Texans training camp live. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. Don't miss a moment of your Houston Texans 365 days a year. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. We are at the atrium at Lambeau Field. This place is filling up a lot of the... uh, peeps are getting their training camp tickets here yeah you know what also is going on today there's a leroy butler event yes there is and guess who's going to be here for some of that texans people oh yes we have a group of texans fans coming up and they are going to uh, meet him and have some lunch here at the stadium and take in practice and it's going to be good and it's just it's a great place to be it's historic it's kind of i i equated i've said this before to Canton, in a way, it's not the Hall of Fame, but there's a Packer Hall of Fame, and the Packers such, are mm-hmm. such a part of NFL history, and it's 100 years old. And what did you say the name of the bar upstairs was? Oh, 1919. 1919, yeah, right which us. would be 100 years ago, and sometimes I feel that old. All right, let's get to Landry Locker now with his questions of the day. Good morning, Landry. How are you? Good morning, guys. What jersey, retro jersey, is appropriate to wear in H-Town? 
All right, Landry, you can weigh in on this, but yeah. I, I'm saying, all right, we were having a disagreement off the air about this because Johnny wants to buy a Bart Starr jersey. Now, he grew up in Wisconsin. I think Bart Starr, is, he's like practically Mount Rushmore NFL material, right. totally acceptable right. to wear a Bart Starr jersey in Houston. And I don't even know that I would wear it, Mark. I would probably just put it in a frame and put it in my office. Just I don't have even it. know okay. that I would wear it. Okay. But I know there are a lot of people that wear jer- that, yeah. that buy jerseys so they can, they can wear it. Bart Starr is acceptable. Uh, acceptable. Okay. Joe Namath, acceptable. Acceptable. I mean, actually, this John McClain has told the story that Bud Adams could have had Joe Namath, could've. but he knew that the Jets having Joe Namath would help was make the, the league. league. Yeah. Yes, and uh, that's very important. Like the Maras, the sacrifice mm-hmm. they made for the league with Pete Rozelle to give up the TV money and allow it to be dispersed evenly right. and allow the league to uh, thrive that way. Anyway, uh, but we're having a disagreement because in other sports, it's hard in basketball. Vanderkid wanted to know what retro jersey – could he wear that was non-rocket? You know, we were having this sort of conversation debate, right. and I said, well, we came up with Dr. J. Dr. J was I, acceptable. I, I don't dispute Dr. J. Yes. So you and I disputed this, so let's ask Landry because he does yeah. not know how we feel about this. The one that got brought up, Landry, was Michael Jordan, Bulls 23, yes or no? Oh, hell yeah, you can, especially Vanderkid. No. You get some yes. street cred no, no, no. there. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I'll take Landry. it. No, hang on, hang on. Yes. Jordan is unacceptable to wear in Houston. That's unacceptable. No. And I'll tell you why. Why? He, he never did. I mean, they, he didn't get in their way that much. Well, I mean, they no, went he, two with he him. He gets in their way in a debate. And, and the Rockets winning championships, when, when you hear the Bulls people or some other people say, well, if Michael Jordan hadn't played baseball, they wouldn't have. No. See, that's the thing. That's mm. why you cannot wear Jordan in Houston. Jordan is an no. enemy in Houston because of that. Not no. really a total enemy, but, but the specter of Jordan. Jordan it's never, no good to wear Jordan jerseys. No, the only jerseys that you don't wear, like you talked about Stockton and Malone. Why, do people, why wouldn't you people wear, wear that? This? Because they beat the Rockets. Right, 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 right. But the, Jordan, the Rockets hardly ever played the Bulls. Like, I understand where, his, where he is in the because argument. Because Jordan, like, theoretically, it. according to some, and not me, because I think the, and the Rockets had a good record against Jordan when they played in the regular right. season all those years. But obviously they didn't win finals in those years. Uh, they didn't go to finals other than when Jordan. I know Jordan got back for the late part mm-hmm. of the season in the second championship year. I get all that. But – Jordan, according to some, theoretically beat the Rockets because had he continued to play, he would have, which is not fair. So I'm pro-Rocket. I'm pro-Houston. You cannot wear Jordan in Houston. I'm pro-Rocket as well, but you're dealing in a hypothetical. You're dealing yeah, in a hypothetical. But that's, but, but when somebody comes to me and says, oh, the Rockets may not have won the championship with, with, uh, if Jordan had played, mm-hmm. that's, I, don't, I don't take that as a, a, a knock on Jordan. I take that as – Foolish words coming from ignorant people. That's what other what, what other NBA players might be acceptable? Hey, I, I I'm actually an expert on this because I wear this gear around Houston, and and okay. they had some very strong beef with Houston in the '90s. But I have two Seattle Sonics hats, and I have a Ooh. Seattle Sonics Ooh. shooting shirt. But the thing about it is. It's more about respect because, number one, Seattle didn't really prevent Houston from winning their championships. And, number two, I think it's a disgrace that Seattle no longer has a team. Yeah, and as, as, as bitter as the rivalries were in the 90s, I think it's almost paying homage to that era despite the fact that the Rockets and Sonics had some battles. Landry, I'd be with you on the Sonic stuff. I, I, I want to get Sonics. I, I, first of all, I love the color combination. I mean, we're in Green Bay. This is where I grew up, so I love the green and gold. So I love Sonics. Sean Kemp was one of my favorite players. That was my first Jersey as a kid. Yeah, Sean Kemp was one of my favorites. I saw him play in high school, and I was like, who's this guy? And then he goes to the league and does all that he does. I mean, the Seattle Supersonics were hard to watch. If the Sonics were still battling the Rockets. I wouldn't wear it. And they were still in Seattle. It would be a little different story. But 
that big, Dr. J is a good one. But in basketball, the Eastern and Western teams play each other a whole heck of a lot more yeah. than in the NFL. Like yeah. you can, there are a lot of NFC jerseys you're going to wear. Like if uh, could you wear a I don't know a, a, a Joe Theismann Washington Redskins jersey? Yeah, like nobody would care. In yeah, but it wouldn't be cool. No, it wouldn't be cool. <laughs> it's I know not that. Cool. Daryl Green yeah, would be cool. Yeah, well he's For also Houstonian too. But like, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to have too much beef, I think, with the NFL mm-hmm. because AFC and NFC just don't play that that often. Yeah. You know, if the if the Texans got to the Super Bowl and played an NFC team, and right. it'll say it's the Packers, yeah. and it's this nitty gritty game, and then Aaron Rodgers has a drive that wins it at the end. You never, you better never wear an Aaron Rodgers jersey. Vanderkid brought up Larry Bird. I said, no way, no, 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 totally unacceptable. No. And I love Celtics, Larry Bird. But Celtics beat the Lopez Rockets is not a fan of that Larry Bird take. He no, is no, not no. a fan. He just no. woke. You just woke up the OG. Wait, 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 wait. You guys have got to be Bird kidding me. No, you're saying Bird is acceptable? 100%. Wait, why is Bird acceptable to wear in Houston? It's totally unacceptable. Oh, my gosh. They beat the Rockets twice in the 80s. Only two times they made the finals, Lopez. I understand that, but Larry Bird is just legendary like Michael Jordan. He's in the same category. All right, right. can you wear Magic Johnson? Uh, No. Wait. No, no, no. And you beat him. You beat him to get to a finals. No. No, no, Larry Bird is absolutely. No, Larry Bird. Ab- no, what about Pat Riley, San Diego Rockets? Well, yeah, that'd be <laughs> super cool. Are you that, kidding? Yeah, you find me one of those, John, I'll wear it. San, and, and, San Diego Rockets, Pat Riley. You just, you just hit on something that the franchise actually started there. A lot of people don't realize that, and you'd think it was so automatic that a Houston NBA team would be named the Rockets. Well, Pat Riley is hated in this town, but you could wear a Pat Riley San Diego Rockets you jersey? You could do that because it's a San Diego Rockets yeah, jersey. Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll allow it. We will allow it, but I don't know about Bert. Listen, I, I, I don't mind – tweaking people a little bit but even i wouldn't wear larry bird i mean i'm not in houston <laughs> not, not in not in houston what about an earl campbell go. saints that's kind of cool actually <laughs> i you know what john i just could i mean i was i was i didn't get here till 83 mm-hmm. but i still had this affinity for earl i don't know and part of it is also because the oilers earl is such an iconic jersey that columbia blue jersey yeah. is so iconic I, I i don't know that i could wear, and i love the saints i love the saints colors I mean, I was a huge the, Ricky the Jackson Saints, fan. I just I, couldn't do it for I Earl. feel like the Saints are, are a I sister team of the Texans in a way. The Saints are kind of like our sister NFL, NFC team. I'm, I'm by that. And and I think the Saints are not hated in Houston at all. I mean, no, it's I don't the, think so. You know, you, you want to beat them, but no, it's not like so. this. It's not like, you know, who from DFW. I mean, that's just – and I know I that's a lot of places. So, you know, people are listening right now. I like both teams. Don't get me started. <laughs> I just don't know how – don't get me started. On, I like both teams. Yeah, <laughs> Although, if you like us, too. Pick I, a lane. I, I, no, but I appreciate you. I was, uh, I was telling the guys before the show, uh, just jerseys, just jerseys, regardless of teams. I mean, you could say – Freddie Lewis or something, but uh, the St. Louis Spirits, ABA. Oh, they're fantastic. Well, fantastic. I mean, go, yeah, I mean, you go they're, that It's direction. one of the best jerseys ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. One of the best ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get me a Bad News Barnes 24, I, mm-hmm. I'll take that all day, every day. Yep. I mean, the ABA jerseys were – I mean, that's yeah. the Dr. J jersey I would want to yeah. wear. The 32 Nets, I'd wear that all day. Yeah. It's funny because I, I really feel like there aren't too many of current – teams but former players on other teams that you really feel comfortable wearing in houston that you would i just feel like there aren't so there aren't too many uh i know a patriots fan that I, and i like this because they wear a grogan jersey I'm yeah. like, i can They're, i can live with that actually i can live with the steve grogan jersey okay watch this one i'm gonna throw what? this back at these two in studio <laughs> okay what's worse 
wearing a Vince Young jersey in College Station or a Johnny Manziel jersey in Austin? I don't think either one of those is bad. I, I think both of those transcended. I really do. I know a lot of Longhorn fans that loved Manziel and vice I loved versa. Him. I love Manziel. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. interesting. Big and, fan. And, you know, I, I remember when the Longhorns were in the championship at 06, and I put it out there on, on the lines, and I said, "What Aggies, are you rooting for the Longhorns? And a lot of Aggies said, yeah. They yeah, were lying. They I were did. lying. No, 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 I did. Lopez is lying. <laughs> I did. I did. I absolutely did. And, and, and Really? The, absolutely. I, I would rather put an ice pick in my temple than, than cheer for the Longhorns. <laughs> but, 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 but that day, and it wasn't even that season, because, you know, the Aggies, you know, were, were playing them, and they didn't have a chance to win the, 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 uh, the conference. But, I mean, I, I wanted the, the Longhorns to lose. But once they got to that title game, I don't know what it was. It was like Texas came out, or, you know, the state of Texas came out in me, or VY from Madison, you know, great store. I don't know what it was. Here's the thing, and I've always said this, guys. I don't know 90% of the time, unless the Aggies are playing in college football or the Texans or whatever, unless I have a vested interest in a team, I don't know what team I'm even going to cheer for until I sit down and turn on the TV. I'm that way a lot of times, John. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like If I'm watching two teams that I don't really have a connection to in any way, yeah. I'm rooting for the best game humanly possible. But and the other thing is, ultimately... The team in that process. Right. right. Ultimately, yeah, John, absolutely. you start pulling for one team, and I can't yes. tell you yeah. why. I can't tell you why it happens, but yeah. I, it just happens. And yep. I said falling in love. It's really more like a one-night stand. It's yes. like That's I'm exactly in love right, right now, but tomorrow I don't care. Yeah, you're in uh, lust for that 60 yeah. minutes, and then after that. I, I left VY I mean, at 6 in the morning, and I did the, I did the, 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 <laughs> the I, I, I did the walk of shame. Come on, man. Back to Aggieland. Back to Aggieland. I marched back to Northgate, and uh, and I put the Longhorns in. Yep, put the Longhorns. I had a little puppy in my purse, and I just I just walked back to College Station. Puppy? I started hating Hating the Longhorns more than ever. Puppy. Okay, so so to that question, which Longhorn would Aggie fans just despise, and which Aggie do Longhorns fans def- despise? Ooh, I mean, you just you just that is the a two great one. Ones, maybe I've or, I've never been a big fan of Ricky Williams. Uh, and no, no, I like his game. Don't get me wrong, and I liked him as a pro, but he broke the record against the Aggies. You know, he went for 236, I think it was. John would know the number yeah, exactly. That was a big, yeah, it was a big guy. He went yeah, for 236, and that was a game that mattered. Had the Aggies beat yeah. him, I think they would have won the, the, the conference. What yes. about you, Landry? I think it'd probably be like Leland McElroy or something because you have to go that far back to remember the Aggies, you know, really sticking it right. to the Longhorns. You know, in my <laughs> lifetime, like late 90s on, you didn't really have it. So I'd have to go to Leland McElroy yeah. probably. I got a better one. I, okay, because- uh, I guess he doesn't remember Von Miller. Uh, yeah. I guess he doesn't remember that in Austin, but yeah, that's another story. I was there. I was there. The concussion. <laughs> okay, no. Landry, I, I'll give you a name. But Lopez's Steven answer, McGee. if you were a Longhorn, Dante Hall. <laughs> oh, Dante Hall. Yeah. I got I got another one for you, though. Yeah, Stephen McGee, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, about, that, that one yeah. hurts. God. You talk about college sports, right, and it's the state, and you can maybe get into that and cross those lines, but – Professional sports, no. Like, I, no. if you're a Texans fan and, you know, a Houston fan, you cannot root for the Cowboys under any circumstances no. unless it's to beat a division opponent to help you get in or something okay, like well, that. Okay, well, here's one, here's one but, for all of us. What about those Texans fans that were Titans fans twice a year because of Vince Young? Yeah, that, they that's – like the that, Texans that, converted back. That's not acceptable. I, mean, I know they have. That's not acceptable. Have, but there were a lot of those. There were a lot of Texans. Oh. Like, well, I cheer for VY. Look, when, when the Texans started, Jonesy knows this, there were a ton of Titans fans still in Houston who would refuse to go to the Texans side of things. And it was weird. Songs were written about this kind of stuff. I wrote one about it. Now, here's another one. Cowboys you like, right? Okay. Cowboys that you find. Uh, I, I like, know this one. This is easy. I, mine's easy. Like Roger Staubach? 
Mine's well, current. Mine's current's Dak. Yeah, mine's I kind of like. I, I like, like Dak. Dak I met him at the Senior Bowl. I interviewed with him. We actually have film, audio, and video oh, yeah. of him saying he would love to come to Houston. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Old school. Old school for me is Bob Lilly. He was my idol when I was a kid, uh-huh. yeah. and I wore his number the whole time I played football, et cetera, et cetera. New school, boy. It's I don't tough. know if there's any. Witten. I mean, Witten. Not even Witten. I hate Witten. I know, I not even Witten. Not, not that he's, he's terrible a, on air. No, I get that. A, but as a, a healthy, player, in a healthy, Walter Payton, man of the year. He's to, look, oh, I, I like got Tony, it. I got it. I got it. That I like win. Tony Romo, the commenta- commentator. <laughs> I don't like Tony Romo, the quarterback, okay? I hate him like poison. Witten, yeah, I too. All right. I hate okay. those guys. That's fine. I, that, that was a good one from Lopez. That win. That win. Oh, that win, yes, of That's course. such a dude, man. I but love that's, that. That's not even – you know, he's an Aggie. He's yeah. a Texan. He's a great guy. That's I mean, almost yeah. cheating, Lopez. Yeah, Thank that's, you. That's Thank obvious. you. Darren Woodson. <laughs> Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson's good dude, That's a good one. Right? Yeah. That's a good – I can yeah. love Darren Woodson. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so there are there are some uh, – by the way, you know, when we went up there, Hurricane Harvey, it, it changed yeah. – a lot of things because yep. they were so wonderful to us. I mean, they opened up every door to us. It was, yeah. it was really, really I feel like that kind of wore off, Vandy. I, I, feel, I feel like it felt that way for a year, but then you went right back to your to your hating Cowboys ways. No, no, no. I would tell you this. I'll, I'll defend I, I Vandy on do. this. He does not like the Cowboys, but it's the Patriots and the Colts. I mean, the Patriots and the Colts are like – It's bad. That's 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 it's, the allergy right there. I'm in a, guys, I'm in a really qu- a big, big quandary with the Colts this year. Why is that? Uh, because Gerard's coaching over there. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that yesterday. I don't know why I missed that. I saw it yesterday. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah, he's well, family, man. Wait, it's quarterbacks, though, right, John? Or what's, what's Yeah, he's going? coaching to helping the quarterbacks. All right, well, just uh, – Boy, he's got a tough coaching job. <laughs> well, he owes it all this. to Gerard. <laughs> Andrew could do – well, so what does he say about it? What does he say about luck? Um, I will say this. I texted him about uh, one certain running back last night. Oh boy, that's <laughs> oh, that's a good show tease. Yeah, it is. That's a good show tease. Yeah, I wonder what you guys are gonna be talking about. <laughs> that that is interesting though, because you know that's gonna be you know. I, I mean, how can I? I mean, it's like it's like there. it's like Vanderkid coaching the quarterback room in the Colts. Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh, when that day happens, I I I want to be sitting <laughs> in your office. I want to be sitting in his office, and I want to see the reaction. Oh, no. Dad, I got a job. Oh, this is awesome. What are you gonna do? Um, I'm gonna be coaching quarterbacks. Oh. Oh, this look! This is fantastic with the Colts. Get out of my office. No, or, or he's <laughs> like an announcer with happen. the Colts, or he's like sideline reporter to start out his career with the Colts, or so, or something, doing something there. <laughs> oh, I, I, this, this has got to happen. We somehow have to will this into existence. Oh just no, I'm feeling ill. I'm not feeling so good. All right, guys, uh, what else do you have going on? On in the loop. Obviously, there's a lot of noise coming out of Green Bay. We're going to hear that noise. Could it get ugly today on the practice field? Uh, we're going to discuss Deontay Foreman going to the Colts one day after being released by the Texans. John McClain's going to join us live from the practice field. We're going to talk to him, and we're likely going to talk to someone off the practice field and hear from Bill O'Brien, as well as preview the debut of Zach Grinke. All right. That's all awesome stuff on In the Loop. It's coming up next. Now, the afternoon program known as, boy, it's Clinton Kamla, right? Yes. I got it right today. Yes. All right, they're going to be here. alliteration. They are going to be here doing their program from the atrium at Lambeau Field later on. So you want to listen to them after In the Loop, and they'll have all the post-practice stuff as well. They're going to be watching practice. So we got you covered from Green Bay. Johnny and I back tomorrow morning for our final training camp live mm-hmm. show. 8 to 10 a.m. We'll have the general on. We'll have a lot of good stuff for you. Johnny's going to preview 
or actually go over every position on the team. Eight seconds per player. Rapid fire. That's at 9 a.m. So we want to thank you all for listening and participating today. Have a great day and go Texans. What are the players saying about today's training camp practice? I can't wait to hit people and I can't wait to show our fans what we're working on. Bring it back, bring it back. Check out HoustonTexans.com for all the latest coverage from camp.